Welcome to Business Unveiled Podcast. This is the place where we help overwhelmed, time-starved entrepreneurs like you make the profitable shifts to get more done and get more out of life. I'm your host, Angela Prophet, award-winning eight-figure entrepreneur and CEO. And in every episode of Business Unveiled, I'm bringing you conversations that will give you the expertise and strategies that will scale your team and business so you can get shit done. That's GSD in our world. So get your time back and grow a business that helps you be present in your life. Let's do this, y'all. Hi, y'all. It's Angela. I'm back for another episode of Business Unveiled. I'm so excited for today's guest. She's an award-winning divorce attorney, published author, and founder of the family law firm, Bauer Law Group. She brings insights that are sought after by local, national, and international media outlets, podcasts, and conferences. She speaks on co-parenting, blended family dynamics, relationships, and the art of reinvention which is what we're going to talk about today. She's an accomplished litigator. She boldly educates and inspires women to reclaim their right to happiness through her online courses, the D course and podcast happy even after, despite being a self-proclaimed introvert, our guest today believes doing uncomfortable and hard things is something that we all have the capacity to do. Her need to share her message is greater than her fear of speaking in crowds. Stay tuned because being on stage as a TEDx speaker is on her short to-do list, even if she is going to have to take lots of deep breaths. Sometimes we all just have to stop and take a deep breath. So once private and reserved, Renee has stripped away the photo filters to talk candidly about the shame and guilt that most women feel in their lives so they can find their own version of happy. Even after we connected, oh my gosh, like months ago, we were both in this awesome group and I got to learn a little bit about her and I'm like, you've got to come on to the podcast and it's been months and we're finally here. Yay. Time flies and you're having fun, right? So I'm so excited, Renee. Welcome to the show. I'm so excited to chat with you today. Hi, Angela. I'm so excited to be here. So I, I'm going to give our audience a little bit of background, but before we jump in and really talk about reinvention and the art of reinvention, and that's something that you're really an expert at. You're an expert at a few things. Um, and you're like a fun attorney. Because <laughs> not all attorneys are fun. They're a little stiff. Um, uh, but before we jump in and talk about reinvention, can you just give our listeners a little bit of your background and your story and how you've really gotten to where you are today? Yeah. So, you know, I it, it's funny because being a lawyer and being an entrepreneur and having my own law firm, I have figured out that I don't like doing things the way that you're so-called supposed to do them. And um, it has definitely been a journey and watching the business grow, but it's by doing the things that are unexpected. So when you say like, you're a fun attorney, you can't see my hair, but I have like turquoise hair back there. And like just doing the things that 
um, that are so authentic to who you are um, as a business owner. And I have learned that trying to fit into a box has been the thing that stifles business. And when you're really authentic and you show up that way, that's when business explodes. And to my story is I'm a divorce lawyer who is twice divorced. And for the longest time, I kept those two worlds so separate because in my mind, the lawyer had to be all boxed up, buttoned up. Like I had to have a certain image, a certain perception and anything outside of that was unprofessional. And then I went on a good friend's podcast and she started, she called me one day and I had never done a podcast before. And she's like, let's get together. I'll bring some sushi over. We'll have some drinks and I'll interview you. I'm like, okay. So she comes over. We have a couple martinis. We have like a belly full of sushi. She like sticks the microphone on me. And she's like, now I'm going to ask you questions. Just roll with it. And she started asking me about my divorce. And for the first time ever, I start, I answered them. And when that episode dropped, I had so many women reach out to me and say, that's my story too. I sat in the shame. I sat in the loneliness. Like I sat there on the floor and cried and thank you for sharing that. And then like something clicked and I realized why am I not bringing these two worlds together? And that authenticity and the vulnerability is what people want. And ever since I did that, my business has taken on a new life. It has exploded in growth. And it is so true and feels so good in my soul because I um, have blended my two worlds and all along I was trying to be look like or be something else be based on what I thought a lawyer should be. And that's not all. That wasn't the secret sauce to a successful business. It was in fact doing the complete opposite of what I thought I should be doing. Yeah. It's crazy. Like when you actually just show up as yourself, how people will flock to you because they relate to you. And I'm, I'm just one time divorced, (laughs) (laughs) just one, (laughs) but I have many, many friends who pretty much they're all entrepreneurs. And I don't know about you. I got married way too young. I was working in corporate America. I was not an entrepreneur yet. I didn't really know who I was yet. And the person that I married, not that he's a bad person, but we just couldn't grow together. We, we didn't have the same mindset and you either have to have a similar mindset or a supportive mindset. And I didn't really want to talk about it either in, in the beginning, but then I woke up one day and I'm like, there's a lot of people that are divorced and we're not perfect human beings and it's okay. And it just means that there's someone better out there or God has a different plan and there's nothing wrong with that. Why do you think women are so, especially like entrepreneurs, I don't know, like, do you think it's people will look at us like we're a failure? Like, why do you think women are so shamed by being divorced? I, you know, it's such a great question. And I think there's so many answers to that. I think part of it is this generational story that we've been told. Um, I know I grew up in an Italian family and you don't do that. Like you get married, you stay together forever. It doesn't matter if you're miserable um, and you don't bring shame to the family. You know, that's one piece of it. And that's what I hear from over and over again is from women saying, that they grew up in a really religious household and you don't do that. Um, and parents often have a big influence on what 
their kids do or do not do. And a lot of times people are staying in marriages because they just don't want to disappoint. They want to be the good daughter, the good wife, and they're afraid to disrupt that. Um, so, so much of my work is kind of based on like, let's be disruptors. Like it's okay to say that you outgrew a relationship. It's okay to say, you know what, maybe at one point you were good together and now you're not. And as an entrepreneur, it's funny because I do find that the rates tend to be, this is my unofficial um, <laughs> data, tend to be a little higher. And I think because so many of us as women who are entrepreneurs, we're type A, we're go-getters, we're doers, and we're also not willing to settle for less. And, you know, and, and that's like, that's a great thing that we have the courage to say, okay, this isn't serving me and I'm going to walk away from it. And I want, I want a successful business and I want a successful marriage. Um, and it's so sad when someone thinks that just because of, they have got divorced, they're a failure because it's not, it's not the case at all. It's not a reflection of them. It's a reflection of you as a, a couple, that dy um, dynamic just doesn't work anymore. And there's nothing wrong with that. So, so much of that work is just talking about it to lift that shame. And all of people say to me, like, you talk about it shamelessly. It took me a really, really long time to get there. And it took a lot of like going on social media. And I was not that person. I didn't do lives. I didn't share personal stuff to like put myself out there and start talking about it. And it gets easier as you do that. And I think that's what everyone needs to do when they're going through this in a, in a healthy way, not in an unhealthy way where you're blasting your ex, but just talking about your divorce as part of your story. It's not negative. It's not positive. It's just part of your story. And we all have them. Yeah. And really something that I've learned is like, it's, it's like a new chapter in your life and the past is the past. and not that I've heard a lot of women say, well, I'm just going to start over. And I'm like, well, I don't really see it that way. I see it as I learned something about myself and about what I want. And more importantly, what I don't want and why just throw all of that away? Because you learn a lot going through that. You learn a lot about life. I had to grow up really quick and like kind of figure out, but I was like, yeah, I grew up Catholic and my parents were like, till death do you part. And I'm like, but I didn't really know what military wife was like. And, and it's not for everybody and, and that's okay. And so like you, I mean, it, it took a while for me to get over it, but we come out such stronger people and such better people, like on the other side, when you have that outlook. So for, for women who have gone through this, or they've just gone through a breakup or, I mean, times have not been cheesy, perfect, glittery, <laughs> you know, the past year and a half or so. And I know a lot of people have asked me, like, how are you reinventing yourself? How are you taking steps to growing your business or doing something different or modifying what you were doing? So can you give us some pointers or talk us through for anybody that's listening or even watching, what are some things that we can do to really reinvent ourselves, whether it's coming off of a breakup, of a divorce, of a new business, a closed business, what are some things that we can do? You know, I think it's getting really clear on what brings you joy. 
before COVID, I was, I would, I, I've, I'm always a hustler. I always have been, I continue to be, but I hustled and filled my schedule and did all of the things. And in between that was raising kids and, and having a spouse and, you know, all of the stuff that happens in just life. And it was this go, go, go pace. And then, then COVID happened and we came to a screeching halt. And in the back of my mind, I always knew for my work purpose that I wanted my business to have a different model than me being the primary doer and the person who is, you know, the one continuously making rainmaking. And I wanted to, I wanted a different model. I wanted to do something different. I wanted to do some other um, creative outlets and I never had the time for it. And then when COVID hit, I said, okay, I have the space now. What am I going to do with this time? And I really tapped into, you know, what is it that brings me joy and it's being creative and then coming, this is almost harder. It's easy to say, this is what I love doing. It's really hard to say, what am I not going to do anymore? And I had a business coach who asked me, what's the thing that will get you from point A to point B on where you want to be? What's your no? What's your absolute hard no, no matter what? And I said to her, I'm not going to take any more one-on-one -on -one clients. And when I said that, I laughed to myself. I'm like, yeah, okay. Like at that point I had probably 60, 70 clients. My time was built with all, like I was so busy and I just laughed and I never took another client for that entire year. And now I'm down to my last three. And in that time, I have had so much space to grow the business, redesign it, reinvent the business, reinvent myself as a boss, as a leader, um, as an entrepreneur, as a creative. And it has just like filled my soul up. So to answer your question, I think it comes, it get clear on what brings you joy because you ultimately want to do more of that and get clear on what is not allowing you to do that and how do you make space for that and coming up with what that no is and really doing it as scary as that is. It was really hard to say no to the clients when they called and they said, but I want to work with you. And I just, I said no. And I said it unapologetically and then something crazy happened. They stopped asking, you know, and it all my entire state team stepped in and now they're busier than ever and they are fulfilling and doing an amazing job and I'm not needed to be that front person who does that one-on-one -on -one anymore and it it does feel so good right yeah oh it feels so good free like free and for so many years I thought nobody's gonna do it like me nobody yes. can do it as good as me and you know, there's still, there are still some things that I have to do. And I'm sure there's some things like growing the business and working on the business. Like no one else can do that typically, but us, unless, you know, we hire a consultant to help, but we're typically the drivers and, and it is scary to offload things to your team, but I've, I've been exactly where you are. And it's just like, empowering other people who are actually better at doing some of the things yeah. that I'm, I was okay at, but like, I'm not happy at doing that mm -hmm. stuff. So it's, it's so free. And I feel like I had to go through all that, like in my twenties, my early thirties, like, do you think that that comes with, with age and like life experience of being able to be like, okay, it's time to just let go. 
Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I couldn't imagine stepping in for my first year as a lawyer and jumping to the place that I am. Like you had to learn it. I had to do it. I had to know, like I had to get dirty and muddy. And I've, I was doing it for 18 years before I then stepped out. So I spent a lot of time, but that also is like the, that's the, the superpower as to how to know, you know, how to know what the business needs, how to remodel or rebrand the business and what to offer clients. Like how can we set ourselves apart from what we're doing? law offices, they're all kind of the same. They all look the same. So what different value can we bring? How would I know that if I hadn't worked with those clients all of those years? So it's absolutely part of the landscape and part of the journey. And I got to a point and say, okay, that, that part has come to an end. Now I have a different vision and I'm going to step into that. That's awesome. So I'm curious because I know that during marriage. And then when there is a breakup or a divorce, trust seems to be a really, really big, challenging BHAG <laughs> sometimes <Yeah. laughs> big audacious. Here you go. If you guys don't know what that is, <laughs> but what are some steps that we can do to trust, like trust in other relationships, trust in other people? Are there things that, that we can do to help us gain that trust in the future for other people? Yeah. So the first thing I think you have to do is forgive the person, um, the other person, which has nothing to do with them and people, you know, I, I hear it all of the time and I hear it from people in the space that I've been to. Like if your ex is a jerk, you don't have to forgive them. I can't disagree more with that. Because if you hold on to that anger and that bitterness and that resentment, it doesn't impact them. It only impacts you. And so forgiving them so that you can be released. And I think that that's the first step. And it might be something as, as overt as, like I tell people, write them a letter that they'll never get and then burn it. Or have, have like a little mantra or something that you say, releasing them and forgiving them. And you might not feel it initially, but you say it enough, then you just let them go and you release them. Because a lot of times, you know, people, the dynamic of a relationship really depends on those two. And my second marriage, our dynamic was horrible. And I showed up as my worst version of myself said things, did things that I would never in my right mind have ever, like, it's not who I am, but it was that dynamic in that relationship that put me in that position. And so recognizing, you know what, he was his worst version too. Like we weren't good together and I forgave him. I release it. And, you know, I hope that, that you find happiness and that's really hard for people to do, but then you let that go so that you can bring in really what you want. And then the second thing is get really comfortable with yourself. Don't jump into another relationship. Don't quick fix your feelings and put a bandaid over it. Um, go on all the dating apps for all of the attention, like really give yourself time to date yourself, to get to know yourself, bring yourself on vacation, bring yourself out to the fancy dinner and order the good champagne just by yourself, put your phone down and get really, really in tune with your own thoughts and your own needs so that you're not bringing someone into your life to fill a void or because you're lonely. When you make that decision to bring someone into your life, it's for the right reason. It's because they are bringing you joy and they're kind and they have all of the things that you really want out of a relationship. And it's not because 
um, you're just trying to fill this, this missing piece out of your life because you're really comfortable being alone. And that's really hard for people to do because when you leave a relationship, a long-term relationship, a marriage, you, a lot of people lose themselves a little bit. And it's been a really long time since they were by themselves. And there's just something so liberating with going on vacation by yourself. You know, like that's something that people will say, I can't do that. Well, why not? It's so liberating to know that you can do that and be on your own and that's okay. And yes, you might have times where you're a little lonely, but that's okay too. Like you get really comfortable with those feelings. So those would be my two tips. That's awesome. I remember not too long ago, I was watching online church and the pastor was up there saying, he's like, how many of you are married or you're with your partner that you feel as though like they complete you. And I'm sure, you know, he's like trying to relate to people. He's like, okay, so if you're at home in bed, just watching, like, raise your hand. <laughs> and, um, or he's like, put an emoji. <laughs> and, and a lot of people were like, yes, I'm with that person that completes me. And he's like, now, how many of you are single and you are still searching for that person that you feel is going to complete you. And, you know, the, the hearts and the emojis are like going, going crazy. And I just kind of sat there and listen. I didn't really do anything. I'm just listening. I try to be present and, and not like multitask during, during the 45 minutes of church. But he said something really important after that. He's like, if those are view who think that you're searching for someone to complete you, no one can complete you, but you, and those of you who are happily married or happy in a relationship, you were a complete person first. And like you said, you love yourself first and it's okay to be alone and learning to be alone. I mean, when my father passed away and I watched my mother, I mean, still to this day, you know, we laugh because it's like, I have to be her mom and she doesn't like making decisions by herself. It brings her major anxiety. And so, and I've also seen it in a few of my friends too. And it's like, you kind of have to learn how to be whole again and that it's okay to make a decision on your own. Mm -hmm. And, and it is very liberating, but it does take time too. So <laughs> our, our pastor, he was like, write it down, put it on your mirror, put a post-it note do daily affirmations. Like there's an app called mantra, I think is what it's called. Like I downloaded it and, and it does like, it seems so silly, but each day it's like you hit the button, you take a breath because half of us don't breathe correctly daily anyway. And reading those affirmations out loud and saying like, I can do this, um, is, is really, really important. And so is there a right time to start getting back out there. Like, I know you said, don't go on the dating apps and like blast because it's just toxic and you're going to bring in what you put out. So is, is there a right time? Like, is it a year? Is it a few months? Is it different for everybody? Like, what are your thoughts on that? It's so individual. So sometimes you have couples who have separated for years, but that it takes a while for the divorce to get finalized. So at that point, when they sign their name to the papers, they may already be ready to put themselves out there, or maybe they've already started because there's, there has been that separation. But I generally hear that it takes about a year to two years to really, really heal and not 
feel awful from it. You know, when I got divorced my first time, um, so much of what I struggled with was the guilt because I wanted the divorce and missing my son. He was two years old and the weekends that I didn't have him were heart wrenching. And it really took about a year to work through those and that those feelings and then recognize, okay, um, it's okay that, that I miss him. And now what, now I'm like, what am I going to do with my time? But there were many, many weekends that I sat there and I cried and, and I felt all of those things. Um, I, and when people say that that's the reason why they're not getting divorced or not leaving a toxic relationship, like that's not a good reason. Um, because that, and you know, and they say, well, it's their kids are staying for their kids. Well, kids know. And you know, the question I always ask is if your child was in this relationship that you're in, what would you say to him or her? Would you say stay? Or would you say, do you want better for them? Most people say they want better for them, but yet they can't make that decision themselves. So, um, I, you know, go, I got off track with the original question for time, but it took me about a year to really, um, to really feel better about it. And, you know, Angela, I still have moments. Um, for example, every spring, April comes and I get this like kind of weird feeling where I feel something and I'm like, what, what's happening? Like, why am I feeling funny about this? And then I realized that April was the month that I filed both of my divorces. So while the sun is shining and the tulips are blossoming, it brings up feelings for me. And it took me a little while to understand, like, why am I in like a really crappy mood in April? And like, why don't, am I emotional? Well, those that that sun in the spring was also a sign of kind of the death of my marriages. And so, you know, this is years later, like I am, I am a lot of years out of my divorce, I'm happily married to the man who really is my partner. And yet I still feel that way. So I think you have to understand that even, even if you're 10 years old, even if you're you wanted the divorce, you are still going to have things that come up and that's okay. You just recognize it for what it's, what it is and say, okay, I'm going to feel it. And then you move on. So I think that that time frame is just a continuum of different emotions at different times, especially like anniversaries come up or first holidays and things like that. They can be triggers. So you mentioned something really important and when kids are involved, is there anything in terms of co-parenting or any advice or experience shares that has helped you work with your children's father to make it more of a positive thing versus a negative thing? And I know what I automatically think when I go to this is like, don't bash them in front of the kids. Like, just don't yeah. do it. And it's so much easier said than done, but this is where therapists come in <laughs> who help can help guide you. Like, don't even have those thoughts. And if you do like, don't say it out loud, especially in front of your kids. Like there are, again, some of my friends, their kids really important things are happening right now. Like around the age that I am, it's like their kids are going, they're graduating from high school or they're turning 16. And it's like, they're getting a car like really big things. And I mean, even working in events and weddings for so many years, being around so many divorced 
parents and the ones that can't even sit on the same row during, during a wedding, or I'm like, this is not about you. This is about your child that you created together. Like have a healthy space for the child. Like it's so selfish. At least this is, these are the thoughts that I have. Like when I was doing weddings and I'm like, gosh, you're so selfish. Now, most of the times the clients always give me a head, they would give me a heads up, but sometimes I would have to ask. And when, when we're talking about those ceremony things, like who's going to walk who, and I mean, we even had to go to the extent of putting specific name tags on specific chairs so that people don't ask and they don't get their feelings hurt. It's like, my God, your child is old enough to get married. And then you're going to have kids and grandkids. Like, can't you just all figure out how to get along? Like what is going on there where, where people just, they never let it go. What are some things to get unstuck from that. <laughs> I, I love that you brought that up as an example, because that is the exact example that I use when people are going through a divorce. And I say that picture your daughter's wedding. Do you want this to be a joyous event that you're celebrating together? Or do you want this to be something that your daughter is paranoid that her parents, new partners are going to look at each other the wrong way or who's walking in and you have the power right now to control that narrative. And so my, my son is um, being raised Jewish. I am not Jewish, but his dad is. And we had a bar mitzvah a couple of years ago. And, you know, it was like, that was an example of us coming together, two families, actually four families, because we're, we're both remarried. And it was all about just the love for my son. And that event was so stress-free and it was fun and he had the best time. And we have friends who have the complete opposite. And when their child had their bar mitzvah, it was awful. And it was a nightmare for the parents and planning. And so, you know, I think that it, it's, it comes down to, you have to love your child more than you hate your ex. And it is so hard to do sometimes, but it's keep it child focused. And it's not about how you feel about that other person. It doesn't matter what happened in your marriage. It doesn't matter if someone was unfaithful. It does none of that matters. It is about your child and giving your child what they are entitled to is two parents who can communicate with each other and co-parent. And sometimes people just cannot see it. Um, and it's really heartbreaking because those are the kids who end up um, being one of the statistics. There's depression, there's um, suicidal ideations, promiscuity, like all of the bad things that that are attached to the word divorce doesn't really actually have anything to do with the divorce. It has to do with the conflict. And there are lots of well-adjusted, healthy kids who have divorced parents because they were able to figure it out. It doesn't mean that it's all going to be peaches and cream. It's, but if you treat each other with respect, you talk to each other, like you're talking to your boss, you're not going to flip your boss off. Like, don't do that to your, your ex. And, you know, just little acts of kindness go a really long way. And what I tell people to do is if you have a soccer game, for example, that you're going to show up with a coffee for your ex, like how do they drink their coffee? Just show up with a paper cup and a coffee and you get them that. And what that's doing is kind of setting the tone. 
it's just resetting you. There's not that animosity. And it's just saying, here, I got this for you. It's like a $2 act. It's so simple. And, but what happens is that that other parent isn't going to snipe at you really quickly. They just got a coffee and then you do it again. And then the next time they're going to show up for a coffee for you or ask you if you want one. And it's just, it's kind of like little, just tokens, a little like an olive branch, just to say like, Hey, I respect you. I respect your role in our child's life. And like, let's just be kind and civil to each other. And it's something just so, so simple, but it really can make the difference in how the communication um, goes. But there are lots of people out there that struggle with that. And it's really, you know, it, it's really, really sad. And especially when someone gets hung up on, it's all their fault. It's not my fault. It's their fault. I guarantee you that it's working both ways. And it's never just one person's fault. It's always... They, someone else might start it, but you're showing up and you're finishing it. So you don't have to show up to every fight you're invited to when you get to change the tone of the conversation. I love that. You can change the tone of the conversation. You don't have to play in that sandbox. <laughs> oh my gosh. That that's, that's so true. So one last final question, what's the best advice that you never took when you were going through some of this heartache? Did someone give you some advice and you're like, I'm not doing that? I think that so, so much of who I am is I am a, I can shoulder all of this on my own. I don't need a support system. I don't need, I don't need someone lifting me up. Like I've got this, like I'm a strong, independent woman. And you know, I think that because I took that, I really didn't have, I didn't lean emotionally on friends or people um, who would have allowed me to really grieve the way that, that you should. And I was, I was so focused on, um, I'm going to, you know, show up in a different way. Like I had, I was building my business at the same time. So I was so focused on building the business and showing up as a professional and really just not allowing myself to openly grieve to people who were around me. I, I really just shut down. Um, and I am finding now that it's community that helps people the most. Um, that's why I have, you know, I do the work that I do and I have a private Facebook group. It's just building community and other people who are going through that. So you can connect with them and say, okay, like you've got this and like cheer each other on. Um, so that would be my advice of anyone who out there is find a supportive community um, and, you know, keeping it positive, like not a, a bashing community where you're going to focus on everything that your ex has done wrong, but someone who's really going to lift you up and say, you've got this, you can do it. You are entitled to be happy. You are worthy of love um, and, and surrounding yourself with that positive energy rather than just sitting with it by yourself. It, that That's so good. And I don't, I don't know about you, but like in the culture that I grew up in, it's like, don't talk about it. Mm -hmm. Like, don't tell people we have problems. We, we have trouble. We're dysfunctional and everything is perfect. And I saw that a lot in the church that I grew up in. It's like, no, 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 don't go tell them that. And it's like, but this is real life. Like we don't have it all figured out. And, and, and I love that, like lean on your community 
And if, if there are people that are toxic in the community, they will make their way out. Like the people that you need to be surrounded by who lift you up and who make you feel better and who can make a difference in a positive way in your life. Like those people are going to stick around. Like those are your roots. So I love that build community. So if people want to connect with you, where should they go? What's your favorite platform? So I love Instagram. That, that's my favorite space to, to hang out. So you can connect with me. It's at Ms. Renee Bauer. And then from there, I have links to some free resources and things. But um, if anyone's listening, definitely connect and shoot me a DM and say hello and let me know that you, uh, you listened here. Awesome. And if you are going through something like what we talked about today, Renee's your girl, <laughs> reach out to her because I know that you can help. I know you've helped so many, so many people and it's like, just reach out and ask the question. It may be uncomfortable, but on the other side, there is something better waiting for you. So just reach out everyone that has been listening or watching today. Thank you so much for your time. I would love for you guys to comment and let us know what was your top takeaway. And thank you so much for watching. Y'all be sure to tune in next week to another episode of Business Unveiled. Bye, y'all. That's it for this week's episode of Business Unveiled. Now that you have all the tools that you need to conquer the world and GSD, get shit done, would you share this with your friends and fellow business leaders? One thing that would really, really help us and help new listeners is for you to rate the show and leave a comment in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you tune in and listen to Business Unveiled. You can check out the show notes at angelaprofit.com slash podcast and link up with us on social media so you can share your biggest insights. And I want to know your aha moments. Until next week, remember, the profitable shifts and structures you're creating in your business help you be more present in your life. So get out there and GSD.